Hey guys, I wanted to say that I'm sorry that I was late for the recording. I was running a few minutes late. I had to um, take a bunch of laxatives. All right. Because I was getting ready to take a big shit on these games. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Fucking X-Bot Justin. We haven't seen you around these parts in a a, a decade. Yeah. uh, uh, It's... Yeah, I'm back. Uh, <laughs> I'm back. Uh, uh, I've got uh, my connect. I have four connects streaming yeah. uh, straight to me. I see you've got a cardboard standee of Blinks the Time Sweeper behind you. <laughs> yes, that's true. Uh, me and the brute force are back to <laughs> take take Earth back from the Sony cronies. <laughs> Is that, but wait a minute, is that Peter Molyneux's weird virtual boy child behind you? Interesting. Yes. Milo. Yeah. Where'd you, where'd you, where'd you My, dig Milo up? It's Milo. He's back. Uh, actually, um, I am uh, actually an android. Uh, inside me is a tiny Kudo Sonata who is uh, powering my body. You can see the bottom of his shoe if you oh, want yeah. to. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Justin just scanned a skateboard into his connect and he skated away. My name is Justin McElroy, and I know the best game of 2007. My name is Griffin McElroy, and I know two games of 2007. My name is Chris Plant, and I am the god of Drake. My name is Russ Frustick, and I know the get best game of the PS3. <laughs> what were those words? <laughs> I, I, got there. Me. I got yeah. there. I got there. Welcome to the Besties, where we explore the latest and greatest in home computer entertainment uh usually we're talking about the new games the hot stuff uh but today we are uh dipping into 2007 to continue our ongoing uh uh series about the the best of of that year we've already talked about portal it's not just that year justin it is the best video game year of all time according to our listeners so i don't want to diminish it this this week may not be the best sort of cross section for that to stand true. <laughs> we play some good ass games. We do, and I think it, I think this episode we're gonna have to be careful because like more than any episode so far, like this is the one where I had to remind myself like we loved this shit. Like this shit was so important when it came out, and we were fucking hog wild for it because I was not maybe as hot. Now, Justin, you've been doing a fun little visual gag series throughout this uh, little little run we've been doing. Do you want to talk about it or? No. You don't want to talk about the gentleman who's in the background of your Skype window right now? It's my friend Kratos. It's Kratos. Yeah, Justin does have a sort of makeshift Kratos. Uh, a, I've been a, finding like the DIY cosplay and playing mm-hmm. that during our, our different recording sessions. But I feel like I've taken us off the rails with this one. Um, usually it's a pre-show kind of delight, so we're going to go right. back to just a regular. <laughs> Thanks. And there was cool. like a, visu- a visible nipple, like yeah, right at the bottom of your nipple. screen. It was rough. Okay, so. These, we got, we, we don't have time to fuck around. 
We have two games to talk about. Today we're going to be talking about Uncharted Drake's Fortune and God of War 2. The logo for God of War 2 in the PlayStation Now store looks a lot like the logo for God of War 3. And I did enjoy the first hour of God of War 3 before (laughs) I got stuck. (laughs) Had to go find a walkthrough. And then I'm like, I don't recognize any of this. I'm Googling God of War 2. Like, I don't recognize any of this. Like, okay, this is the triple I've been playing. Uh, I'm let me hop back. So I have a lot more context than you guys. Yeah, I'm surprised that you Um, confuse them because they're so different. Uh, I so I played both of these on PlayStation Now. Uh, I hardwired real quick on PlayStation Now because I hadn't actually gotten deep into that. Really good, like Kicks really, ass. especially hardwired. Really good experience. PC a little bit annoying because I uh, had to like do login and the captcha like every time I booted it up. Weirdly, like it didn't save any of those credentials. Um, mm. Also, a little bit stressful because it has a feature where if you are just sort of sitting on the server for too long without playing, it kicks you off. Oh, no. Yeah. And in, and in PlayStation 2 slash 3 era, when, like, if you didn't save, you're just boned, I lost some progress a couple of times having to, like, take care of my kids or or, right. or answer a call or something like that. But uh, overall, just quick plug in PlayStation now, really good, especially on, on the, the console, like, no detectable lag for me on like uh, uh, Ethernet. Yeah, um, we should we should frame this because it's weird that we are doing two games this episode. But I think that it is an interesting sort of uh, conversation launch pad because these two games I think represent the bookends of their respective consoles. Uh, the God of War Two is one of the last sort of great triple a playstation 2 games and uncharted came in a year after the playstation 3's launch but the playstation 3 had a famously very sort of rocky uh launch uh partially due to the asking price which was what six hundred dollars for the larger uh memory capacity version and five hundred dollars for the uh, for the, the the smaller memory capacity version, uh, but also the launch titles for the PlayStation One were uh, there weren't a lot of them after the the launch window. We had what Resistance, Fall of Man, and fucking uh, Motor Storm. I think was in there. Yeah, it was also backwards compatible, so you could play God of War. You could play yeah. God of War. I guess that's another important. But uh, Uncharted came in late 2007, which was like that post E3 2007 groundswell for the PS3 was like real good for it. I looked at uh, E3 2007. That's where they showed off Uncharted, Heavenly Sword, Little Big Planet for the first time, Gran Turismo 5, GTA 4, you know, uh, Final Fantasy 13. Like all of those started to sort of rear their head around there. So this is when like. I think Uncharted Uncharted was I think for me like the first kind of killer app for PS3 yeah, where it, it was like oh this is what this can do and yeah there had been exclusive before but this f- to me feels like the rise or the uh, evolution of like the strategy of like we're gonna sell consoles because of these exclusives whereas previously they were like kind of fringe benefits um, right. and I think we're still living in that age now where like obviously Uncharted Last of Us, you know, games like Ghost of Tsushima and stuff like that, like they, these consoles differentiate themselves, or at least Sony specifically differentiates itself a lot by its exclusives, where I think Xbox hasn't as much. Um, so I, it feels like that was, this was the beginning of this like era of uh, priority. 
Yeah, I, I think the other thing to give a little more context to this is this is, at least for me, when Sony really leans into video games as cinematic art. Um, and Sony, as a company, has always had a history of this. I mean, they've always been about hi-fi. They sell a, a version of the Walkman now that costs like hundreds and hundreds of dollars so that you can have lossless audio, right? Their film program with the original Spider-Man trilogy was around-ish this time. I believe that the, the, the Spider-Man trilogy and the PlayStation 3 are the same font. Um, but there was this kind of merging of all of Sony hi-fi branding into this ultra-sleek expensive cinematic experience that you couldn't get anywhere else Hmm. and i think we see that both with god of war 2 i don't know if y'all it sounds like people did not enjoy revisiting it talk about a game that is like pushing at the edges of what the hell playstation 2 could do yeah it's like it's incredible what it's accomplishing on a purely technical level and same with uncharted 3 which Y'all, like, I get it. The other Uncharted's look way better. But this is like um, when you go back and watch Toy Story 1, when you're like, oh, no, Andy, what is wrong with your face? You got left in the microwave. But, but at the same time, you think about, like, oh, they just didn't make anything like this before. Right. It's, like, not bad for, you know, for a first try. I, not bad. I thought visually, actually, Uncharted still looked pretty decent. Um, yeah. To, like, it, I, it did not bother me. We talked about uh, Halo 3, what was it, last mm. week or the week before? Yeah. And the and if you went back and looked at the graphics in Halo Three, specifically the faces in Halo Three, like what Johnson looked like as a human being in Halo <laughs> Three, he was like a Minecraft character, effectively. It so, was bad. It was, ghoulish. It, was, it was pretty bad. So if you compare that to the faces in Uncharted, it is like whoa, crazy impressive that My- they were able to pull this off. My hang up, my hang up with both these games has nothing to do with the visuals. I think I agree. God of War Two looked miraculous. My my enjoyment of God of War Two spiked every time I remembered it was on the same console that had, uh, you know, fucking Final Fantasy Ten or whatever on mm-hmm. it. Like it looks spectacular, and I think Uncharted looks great. What you also have to remember is in two thousand seven, every single game was gray and brown and yeah. tan, and that's it. And this it takes place in these beautiful, lush environments with all these details. Like, I think I think it looks spectacular. The face, the, the faces look, you know, good. The animations are fantastic. And uh, I don't know. I think both these games have a, a, a core question that, like, I couldn't answer playing it, which is, like, these games represent a time where we thought a very certain thing was fun to do in video games that you don't really see in video games anymore. What's that? Well, I mean, it's a few things. One is both these games have a type of platforming that was so, like, it burned so bright and fast, like a dying star of just, like, here's a wall with some ledges on it, and then there's some sections of the wall that are a little bit rougher, and those are the ones that you can just climb up, and then there's some vines you can jump and swing to. That's not, like... I didn't realize how bored with that I was. Uh, and and Uncharted at least mixes it up a little bit. God of War, like every time I saw a platforming section coming up, I was just like, oh God. And it just felt like this unnecessary kind of third heat where they're like, look, it's more than an action game. It's more than a third person shooter. It's got jumps too. Uh, and uh, just after the first couple sections of that like i dreaded every other sort of thing that happened and that's a lot of uncharted and a lot of god of war 2 so that's like Uh, off the bat like oh no the platforming in these games is like and 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 it was so common back then to just find this sort of filler platforming junk in uh in in games like this there's uh weird ticks that both of these games have that you don't realize are of a time until you see them one is like balance beams 
Yes. Uh, which are terrible and have never been fun in any video game ever, but people just like did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing that you see in both of these games is like weird pathfinding with like just not knowing where the next thing is. And both of them have like some real kludgy ways of addressing that problem in uh, God of War. After you do something, the camera's like, over here, come with me. I'm going to show you a net wall. Do you see that net wall? Okay, do whatever you want now. Uncharted has a button where it's like, you're lost, aren't you? Fuck. Okay, just wait. Hold on. Press this hint button. And by hint, we mean we didn't design the level to show you where to go next. Or like Elena will like shout at you and be like, yo, dog. It's this way. I think the core um, like loop of each game is also just fine. Something like Portal, right? Like, you don't even need to dress it up. Just like creating portals and bouncing around is mm. super fun. And everything on top of that is gravy. And I think about games like Uncharted, where that series has to look beautiful and has to have all these cinematic sequences. Because, y'all, the running around, even in Uncharted 4 and shooting, is just not fun. It is okay at when you're when you're lucky and it is like incredibly dull at its worst and and to some degree i think that's true of god of war also it it, you know it's somewhere between a high-end action game like devil may cry and just a general beat-em-up so what makes it exciting is when it like has scale like that was what was fresh about that game was yeah you could see you know the end of the stage and this giant statue would come to life but then the stuff that you know filled the time between that was like largely filler and I, I mean, the greatest thing that God of War did, and I'm sure like hardcore old time fans will hate this, but was get away from that. Like changing the most recent God of War to be something where that moment to moment action feels good um, makes it so much more compelling. I will say this. I still like the combat in God of War 2. I still think it's fun. I agree with you that like everything else, the running around, most of the puzzles are not, uh, haven't aged or I don't even know if I like love them to begin with, but I think the combat is still enjoyable. It doesn't solve the like now obvious tone issues uh, with God of War, which are numerous. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I I think the combat's okay. Uh, Let's talk about tone issues real quick. Um, (laughs) Ludonarrative dissonance is something that we have talked about. It became a thing right now. I just want to, I know it has been talked about ad nauseum, but. I want to talk about the first beat of Uncharted. Yeah, I thought the same thing. Yes. The first beat of Uncharted is this. Nathan Drake, lovable scamp, and Elena, his friend and reporter who he is working with, find a... Uh, they're doing like a deep sea dive. They found this coffin. It's empty. There's, there's treasure inside of it. There's a treasure map. And then all of a sudden they hear noise, and Nathan Drake's like, oh, no. Them's pirates. And Elena's like, that sucks. And Nathan Drake, that that irascible rogue. And he's like, don't worry. I have an old trick in my deck. <laughs> a little life hack. And old this is an old rogue's trick for scamps and uh, bad boys. It's called mass murder. I wish they had had, I would respect it so much more. This would actually be my favorite game series. <laughs> if he had like, turned to her and been like, I got a thing for it. I'm going to kill 30 people right in front of your fucking eyes. The craziest thing about that opening sequence is, I think in later games, they're a little bit smarter. Well, they'll have the enemies like shoot at Nathan and will like hide behind a rock and be like, uh-oh, the only way I can get out of this is to shoot back. In right. this 
situation, all he sees are just motorboats driving to him. Like, that's it. And it's like, whoop, whoop. I here's a gun, Elena. Like, Sorry, neighbor, you stranded? Seems to be having some boat trouble. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never take my map. What map? He hands Elena the gun, and he says, you know how to use this. She says, yeah, it's just like a camera, right? You point and shoot. And I wanted him to be like, no. Like... <laughs> A camera films people with this tool. You are going to end. This was a that guy over there that you're about to shoot and kill used to be a baby, and I want you to think about that, Elena. It's, it's important. I think about that later. every time, Elena. Every time I shoot a pirate and kill him, I think about the fact that he was born a baby and grew up, and I'm going to terminate that. Life. I, every time, twenty minutes later, he says to Elena, "Do you have a gun?" And she's like, "Yeah, of course." And he was like, "Wow, Elena, you live." For this now, huh? <laughs> great. It's, so think, you get it, right? You get my thing for murder. You see why I love it so much, and now you love to do it too. Here's here's to to just sort of focus this on Uncharted for a second. Uh, I didn't I did not like love Uncharted one when it first came out, uh, and then obviously Uncharted two comes out and mm. is fucking incredible uh uncharted 3 gets a little too big for its britches and is kind of uh it, it falls off a little bit more and then uncharted 4 i think they find kind of the right balance that even the even uncharted's are, are where it's at uh but like i don't think ultimately like the platforming and the gunplay doesn't actually change all that much so i think it's a question of pacing right like how mm-hmm. much you mix in these big set pieces and these big sort of uh interpersonal moments in with this stuff and uncharted 1 like does not have that consideration at all i do not know how long is an appropriate amount of time to go in a video game before you get an achievement telling you that you've killed 100 people <laughs> but it's not like 45 minutes in that's like a lot of people that's more than two people a minute like it's 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 insane uh and they go these segments go on for so long like very very first level after the plane crash you're in the jungle and you come across this like pretty big little playground with stone archways to climb up on and lots of boxes to take cover on and there's like five guys in there you're like oh five guys i can do that pop 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 and then five more guys come in i don't know if you guys remember the exact segment i'm talking about it goes on for yeah, forever like maybe maybe 40 guys just right there and it's after that it's just like i am fucking done guys i do not want to do this anymore. it's it's one way that's interestingly despite it's like very like not cool tonal issues god of war is actually more consistent mm-hmm. i think sure, in that yeah. in that sense like you definitely get the sense that like this is kratos he's got a one-track mind he's coming for this guy and i feel like even the everything about the even down to animations right like if if you see kratos is like this thing of vengeance and that's all he cares about even the animations where he's like jamming his swords into like a roof while he's like climbing on it feel like this like absolute madman with like a one track like collision course with whoever he wants to uh to destroy yeah i think it um, only feels weird in the context of the new god of war like having played that you like realize because I remember when I was playing God of War 2, it all, as you said, it felt consistent with this like g- dumb guy that all he wanted to do was punch the hell out of everyone for revenge. Right. And now... The sirens suck. Oh, no. I mean, totally. Uh, that, it's I mean, gross. there's parts... Yeah. I know that you were just saying how you loved all of it, but oh, no, I do want to raise a flag <laughs> That's fair. with one part that I played where you beat these naked... Uh, uh, 
women uh, with your huge swords and then they're topless and they, you have, it's not like everybody's running around topless. So far, it's just these and you beat them with your swords and then you grab them and break their backs to make them scream to help uh, basically open a door. They're basically turn them into keys. Uh, not good. There's worse in God of War three. Honestly, way yeah, worse. In yeah, God of way War worse. Like using chunks of women to like keep doors open and shit like that. And it's getting miserable. a ch- and getting a fucking trophy for it. No, I tried to listen to a story recap, and I don't know if you know the story of the God of War series, but it goes a little something like this: Kratos, tricked by the gods, kills his own wife and his child. So then he's like, "Oh, I gotta forget this." So then he forgets it. But then the people who are helping him forget it, he kills them. So then he wakes up and he's like, oh no, I killed my wife and child. So then he's really sad about that all over again. But then the gods are like, you know what? We'll bring your daughter back. You can have your daughter back. And he's like, cool. Thank you. And they're like, but it's going to be the end of the world. And he's like, sorry, daughter, time to go. <laughs> you, you're, you're done because now I got to save the world again. It is literally him just living the same kill your wife and child over and over and over agony like four or five times yeah he's not a happy guy he's not what's so frustrating about it is that like god of war the the new god of war actually is and i i don't think video games have ever done this actually recontextualizes all the stuff in these games to where going back to them is actually weirdly more palatable because not the obviously like violence against women stuff but like the (laughs) The um, the, what a absolute doofus this guy is. <laughs> yeah, like what? knowing that he has to reckon with this later is actually like weird. It's a very weird thing to and go back. The to. new one is written and directed by Corey Barlog, who was the co-writer and director on literally this game on this God game, of War yeah. Two. Yeah, it took over from David Jaffe, who yeah. became creative director yeah. uh, on this one. Yeah, I think you, yeah, yeah. That. we won't go yeah. into credits, but I will say like. Oh, fuck, let's go into it, man. Let's do a whole fucking Jaffe series, baby. Let's get into that Draw, Jaffe. Yeah, I'm downloading Drawn to Life right now. Oh no, <laughs> my PS4 says it's not allowing me. Oh, I've no. turned on I've turned on uh, nanny protections. To I just want to Drawn snap to into a big bite of that Jaffe taffy. Let's just have Yo, some fun with it. We got a question, and, and I know we'll get to mailbag later, but I think this one's relevant from our boy McGlam. Uh, who said, I started playing the Uncharted remasters and PS Plus put them up for free, and while I know most are supposed to be great, I'm honestly curious how one got a sequel at all, because woof. Um, I think that is kind of relevant here of... The first, sorry, what... The uh, first uh, Uncharted game? Uncharted, yeah. Uh, Yeah. Oh, it's... Yeah, okay. One thing we did... What you don't... What you lack the context of, I think, in in, if if you didn't grow up in this time period, is that the tone with which they were treating, and this is why the dissonance, right? There, I don't think, at least in 2007, you saw action games attempt this amount of personality in your lead character, like a a sort of like realist. I mean, it's not that big of an idea, right? It's basically, let's do an Indiana Jones, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, let's make a guy who's a little bit more relatable of an action hero, which is why these... Th- things tend to stick it's out. Called Tomb Raider, but with a guy. Yeah. Well, Tomb well, Raider. Tomb, I would argue Laura Croft is not like accessible in the way that they were right. trying to make Nathan Drake. Tomb Raider was very like. This is not a slam against Tomb Raider. Obviously, it's also a foundational, like, incredible series. But like, even the first Uncharted game does introduce a level of like he gets shot at, and it's like, oh shit, oh shit, crap, 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 crap. Well, and it's also the the relationships too. It treats yeah. conversations. At, it, 
like they're important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which yeah. M- most action games did not do at this time period, which then felt very sort of like, uh, wow, you can do this. Also cinematic in a way that games weren't uh, as much yeah. in, the, in this time period. Also just pulling back the curtain on the games industry making AAA games in general, you can assume that they're going to make more of it. Like you, when, when you're making something this big and expensive and it's at the beginning of a console cycle, the plan was always to make more. You make the first game to get the tools ready, to c- mm-hmm. get an idea of what the game even looks like. It's, it's, there is much proof of concepts as, as you can have. And then with number two, that's when the really big ideas come in. I mean, look at other games that came out this year. I, I, we're not talking about them on their own episodes, but Mass Effect and Assassin's Creed. It was the same thing. Um, EA and Ubisoft put gobs and gobs and gobs of money into these ideas. And then the second ones were they actually had time to make the game they wanted to make because they weren't worrying about tool design. Yeah. Also, they were so they were so desperate for a not a mascot necessarily but like a master chief for playstation 3 like a mascot spot on i guess mascot is a fair yeah yeah anybody to pat up the roster of uh playstation all-stars battles (laughs) can we talk about quick time events yeah sure one of the best moments in okay not best moments but there's this cool moment in god of war 2 when you have to unhook these giant horses and you're like gonna steer them and it's like whoa this is awesome like they're so mad the scale in this game is phenomenal especially with like a playstation 2 game but you unhook these giant like mechanical horses pretty much and you're like whipping them to take them to where you need to go uh as you pursue the fates um and there is a mini game where you have to move your thumbstick (laughs) in like Making like little hadoukens, like making a bunch of little hadoukens. <laughs> that's how you and do dragon it. Punches. That's how with the stick. That's how you control um, horses, Justin. And it was, mis- I, it took me. I mean, literally like fifteen tries to get these dumb thumbstick motions right. Um, and both of these games will just kick a quick time of it out to you when you think you're watching a cinematic. They'll just like kick one out to you, like, oh yeah, um, press circle, or you'll get crushed by a crane. <laughs> <laughs> Oopsie. Uh, I'm glad you're enjoying the cinematic, but uh we are gonna need you to press circle real quick or, oh okay, we'll watch it again. Um uh <laughs> but yeah, quick time events was a big conversation point at this point in game development. Yeah, and they and they obviously went away as more of the criticisms uh increased. They'd still appear every once in a while, but these days you don't really see them at all. The biggest one that I despise that has thankfully gone away is the man, this door is heavy. The only way you can open this door is slam circle 50 times. That drove me oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. insane. That is not a fun gameplay mechanic, and it was in every fucking game for like four years. I think that's the stuff I was trying to get at way earlier in this episode. Is just there was a there's a lot of filler doesn't even seem like the right word because it is the game. Like it's not like the thing that is padding out the thing that you really want to get to, except maybe in both these games that that is the more sort of cinematic stuff like there's some really great scenes in here or some really huge action set pieces but before then you're gonna have to open up very heavy doors by tapping circle a whole bunch and it feels like uh certainly uncharted you, you know by the time uncharted 4 had come out they've moved away from that and god of war for ps4 is essentially you know uh a harsh critique of all of the god of war games that preceded it uh it's it's just interesting to me i had forgotten how pervasive those sort of filler elements were in games Mm. and it's interesting that you don't even we haven't necessarily seen them a lot in the other games that we've played although up to this point i guess we've only played sort of first person 
shooters, puzzlers, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I think this also shows how hard it is to make a, you know, quote, timeless game and why yeah. we associate that with like Valve and Nintendo. We're going to talk about Super Mario Galaxy 2 next week and y'all, it, it holds up just two fine. or one. Sorry, one. Thank you. Um, but I, I think for, for these other developers, they're really just, you know, taking the biggest possible swing and they don't even know where they're trying to land. <laughs> like, it's like they went out to make Indiana Jones the video game. They knew that they wanted it to be more personal. They knew that they wanted it to be talky, but they also didn't know how to make a video game like this without you shooting a ton of people because that's what you do in video games. Right. right. Like, in same with God of War. It was like, we, well, we want to make something cinematic. Well, how do we make it playable? I mean, I guess we could do a cutscene, but now we can just add button prompts? And they're like, yeah, man. Like, <laughs> that that's fresh. That is brand new and exciting. Um, And... It's just, it's hard. It's like, it is hard to create the new thing. And when you go back and visit the original versions, they just, they're, they have tons of rough edges and you know how it could be done better because you played better games for the last 13 years. I didn't realize that obviously at the time, because hindsight and all, but um, after revisiting these games, it's, I would posit that like, we were really at an interesting inflection point in 2007 where our vocabulary for first-person shooters had been developed so much that we were able to have Bioshocks and Portals. And these games are sort of this, Assassin's Creed, um, are, I feel like are sort of a moment, in, and God of War, are, are, third, are moments in third-person games where we were like trying to establish that vocabulary a little bit more so you can get to a point where the mechanics are so seamless that you can get to a point where you're doing a Bioshock or a portal without level of like story or innovation. Mm. And I feel like you, what for me, what really jumped out was like, wow, the first person shooter games that we've played so far feel so much better than these third person games. And there was like so much more progress, I think made um, in third person in the next like 10 years. Oh yeah. After this. I think that's so astute because that's when we start getting dark souls. We start getting, uh, I mean the modern Assassin's Creed games, we start getting, Open world exploration, like mm-hmm. yeah, uh, yeah. I, I would argue Assassin's Creed does does like is is that like Assassin's Creed is the is the is evolutionary in a way maybe that that God of War and Uncharted maybe are not. Um, not to say that they did not evolve from that point, but like everybody yoinked everything from Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Assassin's Creed introduced a ton of shit into the lexicon. Y'all, shall we go to the next segment? Yes, let's do it. Come on, we can do this together. Hop on my back. I'm Pegasus. <laughs> you go get a phone. You just want a phone. Talk to your friends and family. You're not asking so much. Then you get these contracts and you get ripped off because you got all this fine print little details and all of a sudden they're sucking money out of your pocket like some sort of digital leech. You know, the contract may sound good uh, up front, but there's always some sort of catch. You know who's not going to do that to you? Not going to pull that nonsense? Mint Mobile. Their wireless plans, there is no catch. $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those savings directly on to you. You want to pay hundreds of dollars for, like, literal hundreds of dollars for your wireless plan? Or you want to have a nice, easy solution, save some, put the bucks back in your pocket, pay 15 bucks a month. Say bye your overpriced wireless plans jaw-dropping monthly bills the unexpected overages sound familiar to get this new customer offer and get 
your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month. Go to mintmobile.com slash besties. That's mintmobile.com slash besties. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash besties. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. This episode of The Besties is sponsored by Aura Frames. All right, so you know there are a number of people in your life that are not necessarily the most technologically savvy. I'm sure immediately names jump to your mind. Those are the sorts of people that you would say, oh, maybe they would want a digital picture room in their house, but they wouldn't necessarily be able to like set it up and get it working and add new pictures and stuff like that. That is where Aura Frames comes in. It's a digital picture frame that allows you to basically upload any photos that you have directly to the frame. You don't need them to do any work. In fact, you could even set it all up before they even open the box. You have the account set up. You just have to connect it to their Wi-Fi. And once that's done, everything happens over the internet. So you can add new photos. You can do whatever you want. And it all works completely smoothly. I set it up for my grandmother, who's 95 years old. I set it up for my mom, who's 70 years old. And they both love their Aura frames. And they love seeing the pictures and new photos of the family all being added without them having to do anything. So I'd highly recommend it. I'm really, really happy with it. And right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code BESTIES. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code BESTIES. Terms and conditions apply. Y'all, you already know how much I love our sponsor of the week, Rocket Money. They make it so easy to get your personal finances on track, especially stop worrying about all these subscriptions that you have that you don't necessarily need. Keep the ones you want, get rid of the rest. Here's how it works. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. That might sound too good to be true. I have tried it myself on multiple different monthly payments I have and it's worked, which is incredible and so much easier than getting on the phone with all these companies and trying to wrangle this yourself. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. So cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash besties. That's rocketmoney.com slash besties rockamoney.com slash besties we we talked about two sort of hallmarks of the playstation franchise the playstation uh family today and russ had you had a fantastic idea can you pitch us on it yeah absolutely uh playstation you know i think everyone thinks about nintendo exclusives with their wide variety of the cast of characters that we all know and love PlayStation obviously has had a number of exclusives over the years. Not all of them have been uh, the most memorable, but they've all been interesting. 
And I wanted to sort of talk through some of those very bizarre PlayStation exclusives that have sold Sony consoles throughout the years. Two questions. Are we talking about first-party PlayStation exclusives, or are we talking no, about... No, I, I just, just games that only came out on the PlayStation. Is, it was okay, so I could, I could talk about Stuart Little 2. Absolutely. Which so, came out just... Okay. Yeah, second question. What if it eventually came out somewhere else? Like, So this game, Nier Automata, was a PlayStation exclusive for like a year or two. Mm-hmm. Is there a way I can like audibly leave the co- leave the podcast? Is that a possibility? <laughs> uh, I mean, you want to know the best, like our favorites. Well, you wanna I wanna, know, like- I wanna, well here's what I'm gonna. I'll, I'll throw mine out. I'll start. Okay. Uh, when the PlayStation Two launched, obviously we all have that moment. Is this a console that I need to buy? I'm standing in uh, nobody beats the whiz. I'm looking at the full selection of PlayStation Two games. And one in particular jumped out at me, and it remains an exclusive as far as I'm aware. It hasn't come out on any other console, and it's Fantavision. Mm. Now, Mm. I don't know how you feel about fireworks, but a game about fireworks sounds pretty fucking dope, if you ask me. Was this a launch game? This was a launch exclusive for the PlayStation 2. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was originally a tech demo, and then they were like, yeah, fireworks, they look pretty cool. It's a game. I don't know how much they charge, 50 bucks, sell it. Oh my God, I remember this 100%. I, the, seeing the box art now, I fully, fully recall this uh, bizarre thing. Now, it, it got a 6.5 from IGN, but GameSpot gave it a 6.6. So <laughs> uh, they they like the fireworks a little more, I think was the difference. Wait, 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 um, wait, wait, sorry. The beginning of, this is from the GameSpot review. Fantavision neither revolutionizes nor damages the genre. What genre? What? <laughs> Fireworks <laughs> genre. Doing? Um, I mean, I would be remiss. I didn't know we opened this up to PlayStation 2 as soon as you said that. I was about to talk about Wild Arms or some pain <laughs> bullshit, but no, I think I'm going to talk about iToy Play instead. Fuck your Kinect. <laughs> fuck Fruit Ninja Kinect. Fuck all that. I only want to talk about iToy Play. The mm. camera game that you could play, and it had 12 games on it, and one of them was like a dancing game, so like you don't mm. need Just Dance anymore. Uh, one of them was a kung fu game where you had to like swat away things before it touched your shadow. That's like way ahead of the Kinect game. Literally, I'm pretty sure, functionally speaking, about the same level of sophistication, but the best one was, of course, the clean and windows game where mm. you're a window cleaner, and you had to scrub all the suds off the window using your hands that the camera would pick up, and it had this dope-ass song in the background that was like, oh, when I'm cleaning windows, and it had like about a 10-second <laughs> loop that it would go on, and in one round you would hear it a hundred times. Do we Ooh, need to boy. pay for the "When I'm Cleaning Windows" song now, Justin? If you could find the "I Toy Play When I'm Cleaning Windows" uh, song, okay. it's so fucking fresh. Uh, I need that. I need that remix. Waiting on it. Let me see if this is it. Now I go cleaning windows to earn an honest bob. For a nosy parker, it's an interesting job. Now it's a job that just suits me. A window cleaner you would be if you can see what I can see when I'm cleaning windows. That's spectacular. That's the uh, bop right there. I feel like we need to editorialize how we feel specifically about the window cleaning song to make sure we don't have to pay for it. Uh, uh, it's a good song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. 
Uh, a very good song. Um, let me do mine real quick. Um, and mine is also musical. So please, if you just bear with me, uh, I need silence or else it gets picked up in my track. So everybody just has to be completely quiet while the song is playing, okay? So if you think you're about to, if you feel like you're about to say like, you can stop playing it now or that's enough of the song or <laughs> anything like that, mm-hmm. just please don't do it because you'll mess up the recording, okay? Mm-hmm. Visuals are fine if you want to cue me when there's been too much. Um, that's fine, but... Everybody wants to hear my Playboy philosophy. Cause I look like stars when I'm smoking my cigar. They wanna be just like me. I know in their hearts they wish and dream that they could be like me. But if they want to know the truth, turn it up. Okay, anyway. what was that, Justin? <laughs> Fucking Busta Groove? Fucking Busta Groove. 989 Studios presents Busta Groove, a dance game with some of the freshest tracks uh, on planet Earth. Like Parappa, but good. Um, very hard to play. Not unplayable, uh, but a wonderful exclusive. Uh, and I want to congratulate our second and third place winners. Uh, Blasto featuring uh, Phil Hartman is like one of my go-to when I'm talking about PlayStation exclusives. Uh, fan, a not good game, but very funny that it exists. And uh, my probably number one in terms of like fun and and playability and like my heart, Colony Wars. Ooh, Ooh. Colony Wars. Uh, I, I know the mantle has been picked up by other games, but none of them have ever like felt the way that Colony Wars uh, made me feel, which was like this like tiny ship against a giant fleet. And uh, I I loved those. I loved those games. What was with this mini like bubbling genre of uh, like late PS1, early PS2 of dance rhythm games that were in the Busted Groove style? Uh, I just remembered mm. Unison. Uh, Rebels of Rhythm and Dance for PlayStation 2. It's all like the same, l- almost an yeah. indiscernible, like... Uh, Space Channel 5? Is Space Channel 5 was Dreamcast, wasn't oh, it? Oh, sure. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, yeah, that that genre is not, I don't know, around so much anymore, I feel Justin, like. I want to ask you specifically about the Playboy song. What about it spoke to you? Oh, because we're editorializing about it? No, I mean, um, yeah, sure. <laughs> it's a bop. Um, makes me feel like a cool dude about cigars and stuff. Also, the video that is with it, it has less than nothing to do with the uh, the song itself, mm. which I very much appreciate. And graphically, this thing is really atrocious. Uh, <laughs> the song is just really... I mean, you guys heard it. Griffin lit up the moment it started. Oh, it's, it's a great so track. It's really good. Y'all, I, I have one. The director of the original Silent Hill. Create Silent Hill, right? And then he's like, I'm going to do it again. And then he makes Siren, another like beloved Ooh. horror series, right? And he's like, okay, now something has changed me. I have watched the film Hancock and I need to <laughs> dedicate my life to capturing the beauty of 
Hancock. Um, how can I do that with the power of video games? And he has an idea. Well, he doesn't really have an idea. He plays Crackdown. <laughs> and he says, okay, how can I get Hancock and Crackdown, but but more me? And he's like, oh, I'm, I'm still not sure. So then he watches Bionic Woman. And he's like, okay, now it's all coming together rapidly. And with those three things, he creates a game called Gravity Rush. The greatest Sony exclusive to ever exist. Wow. Um, so good that despite nobody in uh, America seemingly playing it, they still made a second one, and they spent a lot of money on it, which is when you know a game is, like, great. Uh, in Gravity Rush, think of, like, an open-world game, right? Where, like, oh, in normal open-world games, you, like, walk around, and then you go and, like, I don't know, shoot stuff or drive cars. No, 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 no. In Gravity Rush, you fall in any direction you like. You aim up. You don't jump. You don't fly. You just throw your body you change the direction of uh, gravity and then you fall into enemies uh into stairways into fruit stands and it is so very 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 good the story is like some real good anime shit the music is unforgettable i'm not a, a big video game music person but i listen to it uh, all the time on my YouTube um, and on my YouTube I stream myself listening to it <laughs> um, and and uh, honestly like Gravity Rush 2 I, I know a lot of people are not going to check out Gravity Rush 1 off this but I I if, if you uh, tried PS Now to play Uncharted and God of War 2 before your 7 week trial expires I strongly encourage you to give Gravity Rush 1 and 2 a try Let's let's do some reader mail. I know we already did one okay. uh, quick one in okay, the middle. Okay. Uh, I, I got one for you. I, I, we've gotten this question, uh, a version of it, quite a bit, so I wanted to hit it. This is from Juliana. <clears throat> How would you recommend a non-gamer, casual gamer, get more into gaming? A good first console or a game that you would suggest? I feel like we have a, a, quite a few listeners now who actually don't play games that often, uh, but they enjoy listening to the show. So I think this one's pretty important. Yeah, I think the Nintendo Switch is the best new gamer console that maybe has ever existed. Yeah, hmm. uh, specific. I, I, yeah, Switch Lite, two hundred bucks. Get in. Like, there, there's infinite games on it. I think there's like a few Animal Crossing. Honestly, uh, my wife Rachel has played that game every day since it came out, and she is not like a heavy. Uh, a gamer. Uh, the same is true for our uh, stepmom Carol, who uh, our dad got her a Switch Lite, and now she has started playing Animal Crossing. And as mm-hmm. far as I know, is the first video game she's ever played, and she's put like a hundred hours into it. So, like, I think Animal Crossing and the Switch Lite is kind of like leading the charge on this in a big way. Totally. The one other option that I would say, especially if you enjoy listening to this show, um, is getting a used Xbox One um, and getting Game Pass, like. Oh, get, yeah. get, a, get a cheap yeah. console, get Game Pass, um, and a lot of the games that we discuss, you will be able to check out uh, just by virtue of having that. And then there's a, a ton of other stuff there that you can try and try a whole bunch of stuff for a relatively low entry price. Also, yeah. Wonder Swan. Get a Wonder Swan. It's very important. Don't mm-hmm. Google Wonder Swan. Um, Google oh, Stadia harnesses the power. <laughs> oh, my wow. gosh. <laughs> um. Okay, this one's from Cookie Cleric, uh, Crafty Domain. What has been your favorite surprise in a game that totally flipped how you felt about it, for better or for worse? Also, thank you for this pod. I am not a voracious video game player, see? But enjoy learning about games. It makes the times I spend playing richer. So the best surprise that flipped it. That we've played so far for this series or just like any video game ever? Hmm. 
That's a tough question. Yeah. Um, Did I stump you? I mean, I still really appreciate, I know we've talked about it in this series, but I still really appreciate the twist in, Bio, in Bioshock. <clears throat> I still think it's really interesting. I know we talked at length about it, so I won't go on much longer, but I think it stands out as one of the most interesting twists in video games still. Not going to talk about Nier's ending. I'm tempted, but I'm just going to throw it out there that I'm not talking about it. But I will talk cool. about Spelunky. Figuring out the hell levels, or just all the additional stages and secret endings and the eggplant run, I know that's not a traditional like story twist, but uh, that made me adore a game. I mean, Spelunky is probably my favorite video game because of all of that hidden stuff and, and the surprise of finding out about those things as the years went on with that game. I should mention, if you are not a gamer and you are encouraged by Chris Plant's glowing Spelunky review, which I agree with, do not get Spelunky. <laughs> it is not a beginner's game. You will get very no, sad, very, very friendly game. <laughs> but it's great. Uh, yeah. True gamers only need apply. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, one last question from Oliver. How do you think Kratos would fit into an office workplace environment? What changes to company culture would be required to accommodate the big angry man himself? That feels like a fucking ad, PlayStation ad. From It does, yeah. From 2000, doesn't it? Or a like, sports center commercial. <laughs> yeah, right. Which Kratos are we talking about? Are we talking about old man, Ooh, quiet I Kratos? Modern Kratos is probably the right choice. I feel like you couldn't accommodate, you know, God of War Two Kratos. Mm. There's no, no God. He, his appetite is insatiable. He would just destroy everything. No, but I could see new Kratos having his a very popular podcast oh. where he advertises like brain enhancing pills <laughs> and gets the big thinkers of the day to come on and be like <laughs> so Elon Musk. Yeah. Explain to me why the coronavirus is a myth. <laughs> um do we have time to talk about other games because there are a couple of them i want to talk about one real quick and i know plant and fresh you dip in uh man eater is a uh open world action game where you are a shark the best thing i've seen it called is like crackdown but you're a shark uh you're going around and like eating people and other fish that are progressively bigger to increase your power and you get weird shark superpowers like electric jaws and bone armor and uh, basically, like, cause a bunch of havoc. Um, it's very, it's it's interesting. It's fun in basic ideas. There's some, like, good locomotion that feels good. Like, swimming around feels good. Um, but all the combat feels really rough. And I think that it, it just is too repetitive to really stick with. I did a couple hours in it. And I was like, I kind of got the loop. Um, but I, I wasn't really... Um, uh, that into it. I will say cool stuff. There's a framing device where it's kind of like a Discovery Channel show, Maneater, in the context of this is one of those like, you know, uh, Deadliest Catch or whatever type shows where they're following a shark hunter, not you, a shark hunter that is trying to to eat you. Uh, and there's a narrator for the show voiced by Chris Parnell who has a lot of, um, uh, some, some lines are pretty funny mm. and some are just rather dry, dryly observed and some are just educational. Which is great if yeah. you learn about sharks. The, but uh, it's interesting. It's not really something I am going to like return to. I, I enjoyed it a bit more until I got towards nearly the end of the game. And then the re the, rep the repetition gets worse and worse. Um, but the uh, story that Justin's talking about, about the reality TV show, 
surprisingly deep. Um, it it goes yeah. some interesting places that you that does not gel necessarily with the game's sense of humor. Um, it gets pretty serious and dark, uh, which is it. So far, it's been like well written. The only question is, I don't know if I'll see the end of it because that would involve like eating five thousand more people to complete ten missions <laughs> that are kind of a drag. I. Uh, I've been playing a bit of Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition, which is, I think, a pretty niche title, but uh, I know that Switch RPG fans are looking forward to it. It comes out today, I think, actually, when uh, we're recording this a bit in advance. But uh, And it is a glowed-up version of Xenoblade Chronicles, which uh, is a sort of cult classic, came out on the Wii, and then most people sort of discover it when it's on the 3DS, and this is the sort of, you know, graphically you know retouched redone version of it uh the soundtrack has been re-recorded there's a new like post game uh like story chunk a pretty actually huge one that you can uh i think skip to maybe if you've already played it i don't actually remember and there's they've done a lot of sort of like streamlining stuff to the interface to make it sort of more approachable which uh, has always been a huge problem for this for this game um, there's a bit of hubbub about the resolution being subpar, which, uh, I mean, it's not, it does not look, uh, Breath of the Wild quality, but if you compare it to the sort of muddy textures and, and virtually everything about the 3DS version, I think it's inarguably like a much better looking game. Um, and yeah, I've been enjoying it. It's still hard to sort of break into, I think. Have any of you ever tried to play? Xenoblade I tried to Chronicles? play the second one and was like very not into it. Yeah, it's it it is I it is either your thing or it is like n- not your thing. And I think I'm on the side of it not being my thing. I've hit the point that I hit every time that I try to play it. It is a huge game. It is a massive 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 game and it being on Switch, I think there's something there to, you know, if you need a big ass game to play right now in the middle of quarantine uh on your handheld like the you could you could do much much worse, but it there's something about the bigness of it that still feels kind of empty to me. Like there is a lot of running around these huge like you know neat looking environments uh doing a bunch of different side quests and stuff like that but uh that's just that's not my sort of jam anymore but if if you've enjoyed xenoblade in the past or have been looking for like a version of it that actually you know looks up to par um then i think this is gonna is gonna do it for you oh i I have one very quick uh shout out super mega baseball three uh it's by metalhead software and it is y'all if if you uh maybe casually like sports games back in the 16-bit or even 32-bit era and you're looking for something to play that isn't hardcore simulation uh this is it it's not nfl blitz style but it's incredibly welcoming uh incredibly fun very like an rbi baseball yeah ish and and uh it's it's available on practically everything i i've been playing it on switch and being able to just pop in for a couple innings now and then um, is a real pleasure. And as somebody who really misses baseball and sports right now, um, it's scratching the itch more than I thought it would. Um, so I, I, I strongly recommend it. Okay, I'm going to do one more super quick one. Uh, Dark Knights with Poe Monroe is an FMV game. Sorry, say it uh, again, the title. Dark Knights with Poe and Monroe is an FMV game by, I'm not going to pronounce this correctly, but... Dea Vecchi, it's D apostrophe A-V-E-K-K-I. They did uh, The Infectious Madness of Dr. Decker and um, 
a, a few, uh, the shape-shifting detective, a few other FMV games. And this is sort of like in that same universe, uh, but it is an episodic uh, mystery game following two um, uh, local radio hosts as they uh, examine uh, supernatural occurrences. Um, I am actually in the first episode. I'm the titular uh, character in the first episode of it. Uh, which is a shameless plug, but uh, I think if you like FMV games, uh, then I think it is well worth checking out. You can get it for twelve ninety nine on on Steam. So that's my big plug. Cool, acting <laughs> genius. Uh, what are we? Uh, so what are we talking about next week? Super Mario Sunshine Galaxy. No Galaxy. <laughs> fool. How, how do you play it? It's available on Wii. It's available on Wii U. Um, and in theory, someday, maybe this year, it will come out on Switch. There are probably other ways of playing it that are less than legal. Um, and we <laughs> do not encourage people to do that. Yes. But I have a feeling they may or may not exist. Statistically speaking, you have a Wii somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably a copy it. of this. Yeah. Uh, I'm very excited. It's a spectacular game, and uh, I think it'll be a lot of fun. And it's also the end of the 2007 series. It's the last yeah, episode. Y'all did it. Yeah, what, then back to games. What a road. <laughs> Sorry, Mass Effect. <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll, at the beginning of this, I said that games weren't as good as they used to be. Now it's pretty much an even split. <laughs> at this point, I'm, feel, I'm feeling a little bit more. Uh, reserved in my praise um thank you so much for listening remember you can uh follow and listen for free on spotify uh please share the show with folks besties.fan is the web address you can share that's also if you want to reach out to us mail at besties.fan that's where you can uh get at us you can also follow us on twitter at the besties pod and if you want to follow our newsletter it is the pinned tweet at the top of our twitter page and my child is screaming with excitement in the background about that that is our cue thank you so much for listening that is going to do it for this week but be sure to join us again next week for the besties because should the world's best friends pick the world's best games It's a Spotify original podcast in association with Fox Media. The show is edited by Jelani Carter and produced by Ben Hosley. And our theme song is by Ian Dorsch. Besties!